0: Uh, We are in part three of Colossians this morning. I'd love for you to grab a Bible if you didn't earlier when Stacia was reading. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one on the armrest near you. You can pull it up on your phone. We really want you to see God's word with your own eyes. Uh, We're going to be in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Uh, Colossians is four chapters, 95 verses. And what I love about the book of Colossians is about half of those 95 verses reference Jesus. And about 15 times... Those verses reference us being in Jesus, or in Christ, or in God. And what you see over and over in Colossians is this idea of us being complete in Christ, or rooted in Christ, or established in Christ. And you see this overwhelming theme of maturity in Christ. And so last week we talked about that, that Paul affirmed some of these aspects of maturity in the Colossians believers. And then this week... Paul's going to ask for some maturity that still needs to take place in their lives and in our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at two specific things that Paul asked for, and they're really abundant, powerful words. Paul's going to ask primarily two things, that we would be filled and that we would be strengthened. Like, filled, not lacking anything, that we would be strengthened, that we would be strong. These are really powerful, abundant words that Paul prays for as he writes this to the Colossians, and I point that out right off the top because most of us don't pray for things like that. Uh, Most of us instead are trying to just get by. We're, We're not thinking about being filled, being strengthened. We're definitely not praying that for others. We're probably not praying that for ourselves, even as we walk in here this morning, that if we're honest, most of us are just trying to get by. Like you remember when we used to carry cash? that green stuff that you put in the vending machine, you know, cash. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, before I had a credit card or a debit card, I had a quarter of a tank of gas, I had $7 cash, and I drove an hour away from home, living on the edge, right? No cell phone. How did we survive without cell phones? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, I, but I drove an hour away from home, $7 in cash, quarter of a tank of gas, And I just said, I'm going to see if I can get back home. And so I was stretching out that gas, just trying to get by. And even that cash, I would wait till the last minute and go to the gas station. Did you ever do this? And just, hey, $7, please. And just see how much that would get me and just just try to get by. You see, I think for most of us, we live that way. We pray that way. We think that way. We think of a scarcity mentality, of a just get by mentality, of maybe I'll reach out to God when it's a 911 call and I'm in a crisis, but we don't think, I want to be filled. I want to be strengthened. We're just trying to get by. We're not praying for things like that. Well, if that's you this morning, and to some extent that's all of us, Paul has some good news. He prays on your behalf. So if you don't pray like that, if you don't pray for other people like that, Paul prays this for you, for the Colossians believers, that they would be filled, strengthened, this abundant language. And we're going to see, what do we need to be filled with? That's our first point. We're going to see learning to live in verses 9 and 10. Look at verse 9 with me. It says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And this knowledge has a purpose. Look at verse 10. So, that's our purpose, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. So, our first point is that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will, that we would learn, but it's not just intellect, it's not just to inform our lives, it's, it's to affect our lives. That this knowledge of His will would produce something. It would bear fruit, Paul says. It would make us walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, what is God's will? What's a knowledge of God's will in this context? That phrase literally means God's overarching desires and purposes for our lives. So, what is God calling us to do? What is God calling you to do? What do we see in Scripture that He calls us to do? What's the purpose for our lives? We see things like make disciples of all nations. First Thessalonians says we should. Um, First Thessalonians says that we should. Know that God's will is that we would be sanctified. That's to become more like God, to be holy, set apart. That This is God's purpose for your life. Deuteronomy 29 says that God's will is that we may may do all the words of the law, that we might obey God and be faithful to him. So that's God's will. We want to have knowledge of of that will. We want to learn who God is and about his will and his desires for our lives. Now, many will debate how we do this. Right? How do we get knowledge of God's will? How do we learn about God and his will for our lives? And what typically people do is they'll pit um, the Holy Spirit and the Bible against one another. They'll almost root for their team, whatever background they grew up in. Maybe you grew up in a background that was more charismatic and more about the Holy Spirit, and you kind of root for your team. And if you feel like people are just holding on to the Bible too much and, and not talking about the Spirit of God moving in and through us, you'll say, hey, wait a second, guys, it's not just the Word of God, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then you have another team on the other side that will say, hey, guys, let's not get too crazy with the whole Holy Spirit thing. Let's, let's, not, let's not get too crazy there. It's about God's Word. We have God's revealed will. It's already Presented to us, 66 books, 40-plus authors over 1,500 years in the Bible. We have it already. And essentially what you have sometimes is this debate of like, which one gives us the knowledge of God's will? And we basically get those foam fingers. You know those foam fingers you get at a sporting event? You say, I'm number one. And we say, hey, the Bible, it's number one. I got the foam finger for the Bible. And then other people are like, no, 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 it's the Holy Spirit. It's number one. And we debate and we go back and forth rooting for our team of the Bible the Holy Spirit. And what you need to know is those debates are silly. We waste way too much time on those debates. Because I think you can see where I'm heading here. What is the answer? Who's number one? Both. Right? That we get the knowledge of God's will through the word of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit combined. Uh, you just look at verse 9. Look back at that verse with me. You see the knowledge of his will. And then you see the knowledge in wisdom and understanding that are woven together by the Holy Spirit. That's spiritual wisdom. And so it's not, is it the Bible that teaches us about God and his will? Or is it the Holy Spirit that teaches us about God and his will? It's both. And that one without the other doesn't make sense, it is not effective or powerful to learn about God's will. We need both. We need the Word of God, and we need it illumined to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so this is listening to, learning the knowledge of God's will for our lives. And once we understand that, once we understand, okay, what does that look like to learn God's will, to learn who God is, then we can look at what Paul says, it's this amazing thing that we should be filled with this knowledge. We should be filled with it, lacking in nothing. So it's not just that you put a few dollars in the tank to get by. It's not that you just, hey, I need to get my morning devotional out of the way. It's that you're filled with God's word through the work of the Holy Spirit. You're not lacking in anything. That if you know Jesus, this is amazing, if you know Jesus, you have completely available to you right now, God's word, the 66 books revealed to you through his word and the Holy Spirit that indwells you to decipher and discern how to apply his word. You have that available to you so that you can be filled, so you can saturate your mind and heart with God's will, with who God is, with knowledge, but that it wouldn't stop there, that it would move you to action, that you would adjust your behavior based on that, that it would saturate your heart and it would just seep out of your life. I, I'm sure you guys have examples of this. I have examples of this in my life about shows or movies that you've watched before that, that are like this for you. Uh, shows or movies that you watched that you've just saturated your mind with them. And now they just seep out. Right? They've, they've mastered you. You've mastered them in a sense. And, and you can quote lines from movies and shows, and, and you can embody characters, and you've got it all down, and you're saturated in this. You're filled up with this show or this movie, and I'm going to test you guys real quick. Um, the movie Star Wars, see if you can finish this line if it's saturated your heart enough. May the force be with you. You guys got that one? This one could be a little bit harder depending on how old you are. Jerry Maguire, show me the money, money. there you go. My personal favorite, Karate Kid, just saw the trailer for Cobra Kai. Have you guys seen this? No? Just me, okay. (laughs) Karate Kid, your homework tonight, Uh, forget about everything else I just said, watch Karate Kid, right, it'll change your life. Uh, Cobra Kai is coming out, Daniel LaRusso, 34 years later, it's going to be amazing. Here we go, Karate Kid, you guys ready for this? I don't know. If you are, sweep the leg. Okay, definitely go watch Karate Kid. You guys, (laughs) terrible on that one. I just lost all of our college students, I think, uh, because these movies are from the 80s and 90s, so go do your homework on that. Uh, But just like we saturate with movies and shows, and we can just regurgitate lines, we can just see that right now, some of you are picturing Jerry Maguire, and it's not show me the money, it's you complete me. You can picture it, you can speak it, you could act it out if we asked you to come do that. I'm not gonna do that. But you could because it's so saturated your heart and mind that it seeps out of you. That when Paul talks about the knowledge of God's will, it should be like that. That it should be so saturated in you, it should be filled up in you, that it just comes out in word and deed. The way Paul says it is it should bear fruit. Now, this takes work, doesn't it? Uh, This doesn't just happen overnight, right? Uh, You being able to embody the characters of Star Wars did not happen overnight. You knowing those lines from Jerry Maguire, that didn't happen overnight. That took work. You had to watch Star Wars a hundred times. I know you did. Now, if that takes work, how much more work to understand the knowledge of God's will? an infinite God with finite minds. Right, this takes work. And I think it takes work primarily in two ways. It takes work in softening and saturating. Uh, softening to God's word that you would, before you would read scripture, before you even open up the pages, hopefully you did this before you came to church. Hopefully as we were singing songs, you, you took a moment to do this to soften your heart. Do you do this? Before we look at God, his will, will the knowledge of him, that we would take a moment and say, God, what is going on in my heart right now? Uh, What bitterness is there in my heart right now? What what defensiveness is in my heart right now? That we would take a moment to pray, and that's where the Holy Spirit begins to work and soften so that you can saturate with God's word. You see, many of us, we miss this step of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. We miss this step. We, We get out our Bible, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, Maybe in here on a Sunday, and we just get it out and we read it and we check that box and then we move on about our day. But you see, Jesus, when he talks about God's word, he says it takes root, like a seed takes root in soil. You know that parable in the the Gospels? The four soils. It's all about the seed going into different soils, and depending on what kind of soil that goes in depends on the fruit that it's gonna produce. You see, many of us, when we read the Bible, Maybe you got a verse. Maybe you look at a page. Maybe it's a devotional. You're just throwing seed on a driveway. I mean, it's just trickling down to the street. Why? Because you never took time to soften your heart, to say, God, what are you doing in my heart right now? Can you make me attentive in my mind to your word and your will? We never take that moment. And so we maybe just look at the Bible for God's will. And we don't see the Holy Spirit working through us but it's all about the soul, it's all about the softening, then comes the saturation, then comes the reading of God's word, the thinking on God's word, the memorizing God's word, the working out in discussions with one another God's word, that we need the softening and the saturating, that a Holy Spirit works through that process and changes us, and we learn so that we can live. If you think about what good is knowledge if it only informs but never affects our lives? What good is that? You, you know those times when you say something like, I knew it, right? I, I knew this would happen, or I, I knew that. Like, why didn't I do something differently? You ever said that? <laughs> what we're saying when we say that is, I had knowledge, I had information. But it didn't affect my inclination. It didn't lead to a transformation. It was just information. Like, I knew if I did that, this is what would happen. Based on God's word, based on common sense, like, I knew if I did this, here's what would happen. And what do we do? We know that, but our behavior remains unchanged. We still make that decision. We still do that thing. Or we don't do that thing. And then later... When we experience the pain of that, it's then we say, yeah, I knew it. I just, I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I knew I shouldn't have talked to that person. I knew I shouldn't have raised my voice. I, I knew it. Like I know these things, but it doesn't change my life. What Paul is talking about is the knowledge of God that doesn't just inform, but it affects our lives. It changes our decisions. It changes our trajectory in life as we saturate and soften our hearts to it. This is an aspect of maturity that Paul asked for, that he asked for. The Colossians believers, he asked for you. So are you experiencing that kind of knowledge this morning? Are you softening and saturating your heart to God's word? That's what Paul prays for you, this abundant word of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. Second thing. So our second point, strengthened to last. So we are learning to live and we're strengthened to last. Uh, We see this in verses 11 through 14. Look at those verses with me. Verse 11, it says, may you be strengthened with all power. This week we were talking to my five-year-old son uh, and telling him to be bold. He's about to go into kindergarten next year, so we're just preparing him for the journey of school and friends and all those type of things. And we're just like, Ashwin, our five-year-old son, you need to be bold. Like you got to be bold. It doesn't matter what pressures come. It doesn't matter what friends tell you to do. Like We want you to plant your flag, be bold. You are found in Jesus Christ, and you can be bold and powerful in him no matter what comes in your life. And as I'm giving my son this empowered, championed speech, He's not really responding to me. He's not really getting excited like I would think. Like, this is a brave heart moment. Like, get excited. You're going to be bold. And he's kind of confused, and he's rubbing his head the whole time. And he says, I don't want to be bold. And quickly we realized he thought we were saying bald. And i got to imagine my little five-year-old buddy's head, he's wondering, like, why are my parents so excited about me losing my hair? Like, I don't want that. And we said, no, no, we, we want you to keep your hair. Please, as long as you can, keep your hair. It'll go well for you with everything in life. Um, we want you to be bold. And, and listen, what we had to do, and parents, you know this, you have to define things for your kids. He didn't know what the word bold meant. He had never heard it before. <laughs> he heard bald. But not bold. And so we had to define, here's what boldness looks like. Here's what power looks like. Here's what strength looks like. Biblically, not according to the world. Here's what that means for your life. When we say we want you to be bold in front of your friends, in front of your uh, pressures that are going to come at home, here's what that means. And we had to define it. And listen, we're not five-year-old boys who need to learn the difference between bald and bold. But we need to know what kind of strength Paul is talking about here. And he tells us if we just look at the text. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for what? For what? Endurance. For all endurance and patience. So this is a specific type of strength that Paul prays for. To be strengthened with all power for endurance. That's a key distinction that Paul is praying for a strength that would last. Not a strength for a moment, because there is that kind of strength, right? Uh, And so it's a different kind of strength if someone just wants to power clean 300 pounds and then drop it down. I don't know why they do that. Do you guys know? CrossFit, is that just a CrossFit thing? Just They they throw it up, they power clean it, and then they just drop it. That, That takes a certain kind of strength, doesn't it? Now, there's a different kind of strength that it takes to run a marathon. There's some people, I go to the gym, I don't do CrossFit, uh, but I go to the gym and I see some people with really jacked shoulders and really tiny calves, and and they don't know where the leg side of the room is, but man, they can pound out some bench press. You know those people? Some of you are those people. It's okay not to shame you. God loves you. But that's a different kind of strength than if you told one of those muscled up guys to go run a marathon. Like they could throw up a weight weight Really heavy one time, but they couldn't run a marathon to save their life. Now on the flip side, you could take somebody like my wife, who's really small, petite, dainty. Who couldn't throw up 300 pounds and drop it in one movement. But she can run a half marathon. You know how? She like does little training things like breathe in and out of a straw. It's crazy. To expand her lungs. To grow in strength. That she takes time to, to run long distances day by day, the same movements over and over. I can't stand that. She loves it. God bless her. But it's a different kind of strength. Over and over, the same thing, increasing her distance, increasing her breathing, becoming stronger day by day against opposition, against the difficulty of that. Different kinds of strength. Paul's praying for that kind of strength. Paul prays for a strength that would endure, that would last, that would be built day by day in the Colossians believers, as they grow in the knowledge of his will, as they lean on his glorious might, that they would be strengthened day by day. Why? So that they would last. The implication there is that many of us don't last. Many of us don't endure. The implication is that we need this certain kind of strength because because me, we don't do a good job of enduring. Because there's lots of things that hinder our endurance. It was that way for the Colossians. And we've talked about in this series, they're a new group of believers. Trying to figure out this new wave of Christianity. That many people think they're crazy for believing. And they have to figure out, okay, how do we follow Jesus? Jesus isn't with us. Paul, in this case, isn't even with them. He's writing this from prison. How do we follow Jesus? And let's figure that out, how to endure. That's hard. Not only that, they had false teachings coming at them. And, hey, you should believe this about Jewish legalism or about Gnosticism. And they, they were going to need to endure because life is, is difficult. We have some of the same challenges today. We have opposition. And, and Paul's writing this. He's praying for a strength that would last because he knew you and I would need it. There would be opposition in our lives. Today is, is Palm Sunday, as I mentioned If you're new to church, you don't really know what that's about. It's the day, the week before Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rolls in on a donkey, and he's celebrated, and he's praised, and people wave these palm leaves as he walks in on this donkey, and it's an amazing day of celebration, of progress. But as you know, that doesn't last long. That praise turns to persecution really fast in just a few days. You see, I think if a lot of us were honest, We wish every day was Palm Sunday. Wouldn't that be nice? All praise, no persecution, no opposition. Just everybody waving palm leaves at your feet. This is amazing. You do a great job. You're a fantastic mom. You're such a good worker. You deserve all the promotion that you could ever have. Just praise at your feet every day. All of us could use some Palm Sunday in our lives, amen? Like, I wish every day was Palm Sunday. But you see, here's the problem with that as we look at Jesus, is that Palm Sunday is nothing without Good Friday. There's no progress without Good Friday. Why? Because we have sin that needed to be nailed to the cross on Good Friday. The praise didn't do that. We needed, you and I, This is what Easter is about. This is why we celebrate and reflect Good Friday Easter. It's why it's a big, big deal. It's because you and I are separated from God for eternity under his wrath. And we didn't just need some people to praise God with palm leaves and a tree of palm leaves. We needed Jesus to die on a tree for us. That's what Good Friday is about. But listen, here's the amazing thing about that pain that Jesus went went through. That's where the progress comes. That's where sins are forgiven. That's where you are washed clean. That's where we're going to see in a minute you are qualified by God the Father. You are redeemed fully, finally, freely. It happened through the pain, not the Palm Sunday. Jesus goes on to overcome that, to endure with joy, the scriptures say, to rise again in victory. That was all accomplished through pain. You see, there's progress through the pain. And it's the same way for us. Paul is going to pray that they would be strengthened to last because he knew they would experience opposition. You and I will experience opposition. But through that, God will refine you. He will grow you. He will mature you so that you can be all God has called you to be. And it happens through the pain. So we need to be strengthened to endure. I know for me, one of the things that hit home with this specific topic is Are we living lives like that, that need power? Maybe as I say that, there's this opposition, this persecution, and some of you are sitting back, arm around your your spouse, and you're just like, I'm going to go eat lunch after this. Probably get in a good nap. I don't need this kind of power. And what I would tell you is, I want our church, I want you To be a people not who seeks out persecution don't do that don't seek out opposition right but I want us to be a people that have to pray in such a way that have to think in such a way that Paul thinks that we need God's power to endure that we're living in such a way we're doing things in such a way that we have to get God's strength to to be able to endure it's like today, this morning, when I'm getting up to preach in front of you, every single Sunday, I have to rely upon God's strength to, en- to endure, because I'm proclaiming the Word of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a-, a really big task, and every week I have that, and you need to know, I always feel overwhelmed by that. It never becomes comfortable for me, so I have to pray, God, will you strengthen me to last in this sermon, to last in ministry tonight? Uh, we're going to have people over at our house for PBCPM, our college ministry, and we're going to talk about marriage, and myself, my wife, another couple, of the hearts, are going to share about our marriages with these college students. Many of them I don't know very well, but I'm going to be vulnerable. We're going to be vulnerable and say, hey, we don't have it all figured out, but here's what God has done, and we're going to share about marriage, two becoming one, two sinful people becoming one in front of these college students. And I start thinking, man, am I going to scare them off of marriage? (laughs) What what am I going to say? And are we going to talk about the the dark parts as well as the light parts? And and I'm overwhelmed by that. And I need God's strength to last, to persevere, to grow. And listen, it's not just me as a pastor, right? You can say, well, Tim, yeah, you preach, you're doing that. I mean, that's your thing. You're a pastor, like, good for you. No, you need that in your life. Whether it's inviting somebody to Easter, whether it's loving your spouse as Christ loved the church and sacrificing for him or her, whether it's sharing the gospel at work and trying to wrestle with the tension of like, how much can I do that? How much can I not? How much am I going to freak people out? Whether it's family members who just look at you and say, what a crutch. That Christian faith thing, I mean, that's so good for you. I'll hunt eggs with you after the service, but I'm not coming to church with you. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Why? To talk about Jesus, this guy who lived 2,000 years ago? You need to feel that. Are you? If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. There is no distinction. Right? It's not just that I do it vocationally and everybody else sits back. No, we equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so are you wrestling with this I need God's strength for today to parent my kid in patience, (laughs) to love my spouse, to love my friends that don't know Jesus, to invite people to Easter, to, to, to risk looking like a fool for Jesus. Are you experiencing that? Where you would cry out, just like Paul does, God, we need to be strengthened to last. Otherwise, we're not going to. Man, I want to be a church like that. Amen? Not comfortable, not convenient, but called to this mission and praying for strength. That's my prayer for you, just like Paul prays for the Colossians. Now, as we close this thing out, we're talking about how much we know, how strong we are. The temptation for us in a sermon like this could be, All right, how much do I know about God? How much do I read my Bible? How much do I soften my heart, right? How how strong am I? I mean, Pastor Tim, he just talked about a lot of things. Like, I don't know if I'm putting myself out there like that. And we could start to compare. And we could start to size other people up. Maybe you're doing that in this moment. We could start to get defensive, right? And start to say, well, you don't know my situation. I mean, you don't know my, my schedule. I mean, I don't have time to put myself out there like that. I don't have time to lean on God in that way. Like, I'm just getting by because that's all I know how to do. And you get a little bit defensive. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been giving out a lot of PVC shirts, Phoenix Bible T-shirts. And we have to ask people their size shirt. And it's always really interesting. You just ask somebody, hey, fumbling through some shirts, what size shirt do you wear? And they're like, well, I used to be a medium. But, you know, like, I'm not anymore. Like, I'm trying to bulk up, so I need an extra large I'm like, I just, can you just tell me what size? So I can give you a shirt? I don't need to know all that. We get defensive about our shirt size. Uh, We we get defensive about these calls to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, to be strengthened, to last. Wow, you don't understand my plight in life. You don't understand. I don't know as much as everybody else does, right? And you don't need to get defensive, and here's why I'm going to show you verses 12 through 14. Talk about what's already been done for you. See, here's the reality is that as we look at this, we can get defensive and say, Tim, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, to be strengthened, that's impossible for me. I get defensive about that. I can't do that. I've tried. And we get defensive about that. But Paul is going to say not just here's what you need to do, be filled, be strengthened. He's going to say this has already been done for you. It's not just about who you are because it is impossible for who you are. It's about who you are in Christ. The only way any of this works is because you are in Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you can't be filled. You can't be strengthened. No matter how many disciplines you take on, no matter how much you grit your teeth, you don't need grit strength. You need glory strength that Paul talks about. And so he's going to tell us, how we already have that in Christ. Verses 12 through 14, he says we are qualified. Really interesting word, qualified. You typically qualify yourself. You think about that, if you want to get a good job, you think, well, i got to be qualified, right? And so what do you do? You go get the education, experience to qualify yourself so you can get the job. If you play sports growing up, you think, i got to have a time, i got to have a score so I can qualify. You do that. Paul says, You have been qualified, past tense, by the Father. Almost doesn't even really make sense. How does someone else qualify you? But that's the paradigm of Christianity. You are in Christ. You've already been qualified. Because of that, you have been delivered, you have been transferred, you have been redeemed, and you have been forgiven. That this is impossible for you. But it's completely possible for you in Christ. Because you've been qualified, because you've been redeemed, forgiven, delivered, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's good news, amen? Amen. We're not doing this on our own. The message today, please don't hear this, is not go read your Bible more, go get filled up, go be stronger. That's not the message for today. I love how Paul puts this. He says that you would be filled. He doesn't say, hey, fill up. Hey, make sure you fill up. He doesn't say, hey, be strong. He says, be strengthened. You are empowered. You have everything you need for life and godliness because of who you are in Christ. You can be filled. You can be strengthened so that you can last. It's good news. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to respond to that truth. I know many of us don't feel this. Many of us don't feel qualified. We feel disqualified because you know yourself. Because you know what you did last night, you know what you did last week, you know the thoughts that are in your head even in this moment, and so you don't feel qualified, you don't feel forgiven, right? And you need to know as we approach Easter that that's what Easter is meant to do: is to remind us, to assure us that we are, because of the person and work of Jesus, we are completely qualified, we are redeemed, not just in this moment but we are redeemed finally, fully, and freely in Christ. That's the banner that we wave at Easter. That's why you invite people to come on Easter. You need to know that. You can't work this out. You can't be strengthened. You can't be fulfilled and satisfied. Are you crazy? You can't do that. Now, Christ in you, he can do that. That's the invitation this morning. So I would just encourage you to bow your head right where you are. As we prepare our hearts for Easter, for Good Friday, that you would take a moment to see this truth, that everything Paul is praying for, to be filled, to be strengthened, is available to you, not because of you, but because of Christ in you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I do pray that we would take this moment to soften our hearts, to have our minds be attentive to your will and your word and to the work of your spirit. In this moment, that we would respond, that we would respond to this truth, that we would be filled up with your knowledge. We would be strengthened so that we can endure. And we would see that's already been made possible through Jesus, that we have incredible power to build our lives On this truth, it is possible for the people of God to live this way. And God, I do pray for our friends who don't know you, for our friends who are maybe even in this room who are just kind of coming back to church because it's the season, that you would help us to see this once again clearly and you would impact us, you would change us, you would transform us, that you wouldn't just inform our lives, you would affect every ounce of our lives. God, I pray that for these men and women this morning. That we would celebrate that truth, that we would respond to that truth. Even now, it's in the name of Jesus we pray.